Amen. Good to be saved. Good to know that Jesus cares about you. I remember uh, back when uh, when Bobby passed away that first Sunday, we we all came back to the church, and it happened on a Saturday, and so it was only one day after. And uh, you know, if you were here, you know that it was it was a very it almost felt like a, a funeral going to, but uh, everyone was everyone was mourning. And uh, I remember when we started the song service, that song, um, uh, Though I know whate'er befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. And I remember that comfort that came across my heart when we were singing those songs, and it was just something that only Jesus could do. And though it was hard losing one of your closest friends, there's nothing like feeling the comfort that Jesus Christ brings. And it's painful, and it's tragic, and it's hard. And, And I wish it would have never happened, but it's still good that Jesus will comfort you like that when you feel like there's no one else that cares for me in this time. Jesus Christ does. Go to Joshua chapter number 17. Joshua 17, I, I do apologize, I'm a little bit sick tonight. Um, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't believe it's COVID or anything like that, so you don't have to worry. But uh, just a little under, under, under the weather, I think everyone else, uh, there's a few, quite a few people that aren't here tonight because of that. Joshua chapter 17, if you have trouble finding it, it's right after Joshua 16. <laughs> Um, If you want to go ahead and stand, Um, this is something that uh, ever since the Jubilee started, you've heard the theme was um, on standing and uh, taking a stand, and that's uh, something that we all ought to do as Christians, amen? We we, we should take stands, Um, we shouldn't uh, compromise, especially in these last days, Um, and this is something that uh, the Lord just kind of laid on my heart when, when we were down there. And I just uh, put, it to, put an outline to it um, this afternoon. Um, but here in Joshua chapter 17, verse number 12, it says, Yet the children of Manasseh could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities, but the Canaanites would dwell in that land. Yet it came to pass when the children of Israel were waxen strong, that they did put the Canaanites to tribute, but did not utterly drive them out. And to the children of Joseph spake unto Joshua, saying, Why hast thou given me but one lot and one portion to inherit, seeing I am a great people? Forasmuch as the Lord hath blessed me hitherto. And Joshua answered them, If thou be a great people, then get thee up to the wood country and cut down for thyself there in the land of the Perizzites and and of the giants, if Mount Ephraim be too narrow for thee. And the children of Joseph said, This hill is not enough for us. And all the Canaanites that dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron, both they who are of Beth Shean and her towns, and they who are of the valley of Jezreel. And Joshua spake unto the house of Joseph, even even to Ephraim and Manasseh, saying, Thou art a great people and hast great power. Thou shalt not have one lot only. But this mountain shall be thine, for it is a wood, And thou shalt cut it down, for the outgoings of it shall be thine. 
For thou shalt drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots, and though they be strong. Brother Tom Lynch, will you pray for us tonight? Man, you may be seated. I normally don't tell this story a lot, but um, I'm going to tell you about a dream that I had one day. And, um, you know, I, I realize that the Lord doesn't move through dreams and things like that anymore. But there was, um, there was one time I was, uh, when I was still living at my, at my parents' house, I had fallen asleep on the recliner. And uh, all of a sudden, I started to feel a tingling sensation, and I felt myself leaving my body. Now, this is just a dream, so, but it, it, felt, it felt real. I felt myself leave my body, and I was able to see myself um, laying in that chair, like an aerial view. I could see myself laying in the chair, and all of a sudden, I, I went up, and I, was, I felt like I was in the presence of God. And I felt I, I couldn't see God. I couldn't see the Lord. I, it wasn't anything like that. It wasn't any great vision, but I was in this white room. And all of a sudden, there was this conveyor belt, and it had all my works on it. Um, and it, it, I just can't describe how real this felt. But it had all my works on it. And um, so I felt the presence of God. And a question came into my mind, are, are you ready to come home? Are you ready now? And judging by what I saw, I was terrified. I was petrified at, at what works were actually there. And I told the Lord, no, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to come back. And so all of a sudden, I descended back. I saw myself in the chair. And I went back, and I woke up with that same tingling sensation that I, that I had when I left my body. And needless to say, I was up the rest of the night, terrified at what I saw. And um, though it was just a dream, it was something that kind of woke me up a little bit in the sense of, I'm really going to a judgment seat of Christ one day. And reading that verse in the New Testament where it says, therefore knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Now, you know, it's, it's judgment, right? You should, you should be afraid. I, I was following the, um, a little bit of that Kyle Rittenhouse case, and I'm, it's nothing, this isn't political or anything like that. I like following court cases. And, um, you know, I, I, was, I was looking into that. I was afraid for that guy because it seemed like the whole world, every, the media, everyone was against that guy. And uh, he was standing up there, and he was going to get judged for whether or not he committed these crimes or not. And uh, that's a, that, like I said, I was scared for that guy. Um, just because you, everything that's going on in the world, everything that people are doing, um, you don't, they, woe to them that call good evil and evil good. Um, but afterwards, you know, that, that I thought about that. It's like, man, we're going to be standing before God and giving an account of what we've done, uh, whether it be good or bad in our bodies. And, and thank the Lord, it's not going to be for sin. And it's not going to be for things that uh, evil that we've committed because that's, that was judged at Calvary, amen? But we will be judged for the works that we do. Um, but here in, in Joshua chapter 17, 
um, you know, all the way uh, through this through the, the book of Joshua, we see that it's a book of conquest and battles and victories that they've gone through. And um, they finally conquered Cain, and they've gotten they've crossed over, and they're now uh, getting their inheritance. And Joshua's um, divvying out all that all the land to the different tribes. And he gets here to Manasseh and Ephraim. And uh, the message that I want to bring to you tonight is living to capacity. Um, many of you, you know, I'm, I'm sure all of us, unless we have electric cars, go to, uh, go to gas stations and we, gotta, we go to fill up our cars. We go to fill up the tank. And um, I absolutely hate when people go there and they just put in two or three dollars and then drive away. Right? When you go to a gas station, you want to fill up to capacity, right? You want to fill up all the way. And, uh, or else you just be going to a gas station a couple miles down the road. There was, one, there was one time I went to a gas station, I pulled into pump one, and I, I looked at the pump and it said 68 cents. And I'm like, where are you going to go with 68, like to pump two? <laughs> like, <laughs> and so when you go to a gas station, you want to fill up. You want to, you want to be able to drive somewhere. You want to be able to get somewhere. Um, and I think that that's how we need to be with our Christian lives is sometimes we, we get a little here and we get a little there, but we need to be living our lives to the fullest for Jesus Christ. We need to be living our lives to where we're completely full, where God can use us and we're not having to constantly go back to the gas station and constantly um, have to get things right and all those things, but living, living to capacity. The three things I want you to notice about this story is number one, there was a sincere discontentment. Verse number 13. Yet it came to pass when the children of Israel were waxing strong that they put the Canaanites to tribute but did not utterly drive them out. The children of Israel spake unto Joshua, saying, Why hast thou given me but one portion? They were discontent with, uh, with what they had. Now, it's uh, probably not a good message to preach on discontentment right before Thanksgiving, but here, they, they had a, it was a result of a partial obedience. They were discontented, and I'll, I'll get into that in just a minute, but there was a partial obedience. In verse number 12, it says, They did not, uh, could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities. And it says, When they were waxing strong, they did not utterly drive them out. If you read in the book of Joshua, the Lord commanded them uh, before anyone got into to the lands that they were to possess, that they were to drive out the inhabitants. They were to push those people out. They were to drive them out. And um, they, were, they were complaining. Um, and, and might I say tonight that it's, it's okay um, if you're discontented, but you've got to be willing to do something about it. You've got to be willing to take the rebuke, if you will. There was a partial obedience. There were different two types of Canaanites that were in that land because it says when they were waxing strong, they were increasing in their strength, uh, that they, they put part of those Canaanites to tribute. And, you know, so there was, a, there was the Canaanites that were favored, the Canaanites that were favored, the, the, and then there was the Canaanites that were feared, as we read um, later on in that passage, that they, they couldn't drive out, or they, they didn't think they could drive out. But Canaanites, they could, they could represent the sin in your life, and they could represent the things in your life that, that shouldn't be there, uh, Canaanites that you favor. 
things that you hold on to, those, um, those, those things that are wrong and you know it's wrong, but you think that they, it doesn't have any bearing on you. It doesn't, it, it doesn't uh, uh, have any control over you. But in, re, in you know, all reality, it really does. It really does have control over you. Um, but we have, we have things that we favor. We have sins that we like to keep um, hidden, and we, we don't change or do anything about it. Um, I, I, you know, I promise one day I'll have kids and I could give examples of my kids. But um, the other day, Lola was downstairs and, and I, all of a sudden I heard this. And if you have dogs, you know what that sound is. It's the worst sound that you could possibly, <laughs> possibly hear because you know they're about to throw up something. And Lola just vomited all over the, all over the uh, area rug that we have downstairs. They always do it on carpeted or rugged things. Like ha- most of the house doesn't have carpet or rugs, but they, they tend to find those places. But um, Lola had vomited all over the floor, and you know I, I didn't do anything at first. I just kind of watched her, and she she went back and she started eating it. Yeah, she she started to uh, she started to eat it. She ate the whole thing, and so I didn't have to clean up a whole lot. <laughs> But, but that verse comes to mind as a, as a dog returns to his vomit, so a man returns to his folly, right? So you say, oh, that's gross, that's, that's absolutely sick, that's disgusting, but you don't realize that that's exactly what we do, is we, we get the victory over something, and God, God uh, you know, he, he gives us victory, and, and we're happy, and we're contented, and all of a sudden, something happens, uh, uh, circumstances come around, and we all of a sudden revert back to that, and we just, we, we go to the Lord like, why in the world am I doing this again? After I, I've gotten the victory over it, and I got tempted again, and I went back to the, the old ways, and, and the old way of thinking, and, and, and all those things that the world has to offer, and we go back to it like a dog returns to his vomit. And maybe if we would get as disgusted as we are with an actual dog returning to his vomit. With our sin, we'd be living a little bit differently. Um, living, living to capacity. We want to live, you know, it's not a, not a Joel Osteen message. It's not live, live your fullest life now. But I have the feeling that a lot of Christians just do the bare minimum of what they should do instead of doing everything that God has for them, we're like, okay, I'm just going to get by. That's how a lot of Americans are with their jobs. They just do, you know, I I was a supervisor at Chick-fil-A for a few years. I saw a lot of people that were just doing the bare minimum at at, at their jobs. And they didn't, and those kind of people, they're never going to excel. They're never going to get anywhere. They're going to be job hopping the rest of their life. And they're not going to, they're not going to um, have a foundation or anything like that. But that's the same thing with Christianity is we do the bare minimum. Well, I'll check box my, my Bible reading. Uh, I said a little prayer today, um, and I'm good to go. But we don't, we don't realize that there's some preventative maintenance that needs to happen in our lives. There's some things that we need to do to make sure that we're doing everything to capacity with what God has for us. And I'm not just talking about in the church. I'm talking about in your personal walks with Jesus Christ. There was a sincere discontentment. Canaanites that were favored, then there was Canaanites that they feared. There's giants, there's things that you don't think you could overcome. Um, They didn't fully obey. And, uh, you know, we might look at people that have more 
that, that have more in the sense of their, their spiritual walks that, have, that seem to have everything all together. And that's the problem with, with social media today. And I'm not on a social media rant or anything like that. But you see people on there that you read what they, what they say and what they do. And it's like, man, those people have it all together. You know, they're posting their vacations. They're posting about all these good things that are happening. But in reality, you don't see what goes on behind the scenes. You don't see the, the broken families. You don't see broken marriages. All you see is what they want you to, what they portray themselves as on social media. But we see people that actually have genuine relationships with God and we covet that. And sometimes we get discontented with where we're at and that's not a bad thing if you, if you react the right way. Um, Joshua, go over to Joshua chapter 14. Because they're looking, at, uh, children of Manasseh, they're looking at their lot and they're looking at maybe the other lots that, that uh, other tribes got. And they're saying, well, why is, why is mine so small? Why is mine so insignificant? I can't, I can't thrive here. I can't, I can't do what uh, so-and-so is doing. And I, I imagine that they might look at, at Caleb and see what happened with Caleb here in, ver in chapter 14. In verse number 6, it says, Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, uh, the uh, Kenizzite said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Bar uh, Barnea to um, spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren went up with me, uh, the brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord. And here Caleb is, is pleading with Joshua. He's saying, you know what? I'm, I'm just as strong um, as I was when I was 40 years old. I'm 85 now. I, I want to go conquer a mountain. I want to go drive out some of these uh, Canaanites that are in the land. And you know what? He said, I fully followed the Lord. And you know what the problem is with, with Manasseh and the children of uh, Ephraim and Manasseh is they weren't wholly following the Lord. They got into the land. They, they did some of the things that God said, but they weren't wholly following the Lord. And here Joshua or Caleb said in verse number 12 of Joshua 14, Now therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how that the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will, be with me. Then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. You know what? It was Caleb and Joshua when they went in with the 12 spies. They were the only ones that brought a good report back. They're like, you know what? Yeah, there's giants. Yeah, there's those, there's those people in the land and all those guys. But we could take them out. Because they saw what the Lord Amen. had done in the past. And, and so, you know, everyone else, they, it says the other brethren that made, their, made the people's hearts to melt. It, it put them in fear. You know what? Caleb wasn't afraid. There are some things you ought to fear as a Christian. Yeah, have a healthy fear of the Lord. But Caleb did not fear the Canaanites. He didn't fear the people that he was, uh, because God was on his side. And we've got to realize that tonight is God is on our side. Um, but he wanted that mountain. And then it says in verse 13, And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of 
Jephunneh, Hebron for an inheritance. He got that mountain, but it wasn't until Caleb was fully possessing what he had already been given. Because God, God's not going give, to give you more if you're not doing anything with what you have right now in front of you. And uh, so we might, we might look into, um, back to Joshua 17, we might look into uh, other people and, and we might get discontented. Um, but that, that was a result of the partial, partial obedience. We saw what happened with King Saul in the Old Testament where, uh, you know, he, he went up and he, he, um, he was told to do something and he, he kind of obeyed. He, took, he, he was told to kill everyone there, um, kill all the cattle, kill all the people, kill their king. And he kept Agag for himself. He kept all the, the um, sheep and all the oxen and all the, the fine ones that were there. And uh, the prophet comes and says, what is the bleeding of the sheep that I hear? And he, and he says, well, I, I did it because I wanted to sacrifice. I wanted the best of the best to, to sacrifice. But, but Samuel said, that's not what, that's not what, I, what God said. And uh, he didn't obey fully. It also led to paralyzing pride in verse number 14. They say, why hast thou given me but one lot and one portion to inherit, seeing I am a great people? I'd say that's pretty prideful. I'd say that they're saying, you know what, you know, look at who I am, Joshua. I'm a great people. We should be getting a lot. We deserve a lot better than what our lot is right now. I was thinking um, of something that happened just a couple of weeks ago. I was, or last week, I was leading leading the music, and I and I was getting ready to step down. And brother Joe Harris, um, you know, he's like, "Hey, brother Adam, come over here." And uh, in my mind, you know, I got it in the flesh a little bit. I'm like, "Oh, he probably has a doctrinal question for me. I'll go and <laughs> go and, and help him out here." He's like, um, "Hey, your fly is down." <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm like okay. <laughs> A little bit, a little bit of pride. It kind of, kind of gets rid of that pride. Amen. Um, <laughs> but there is, there was one time I think I, I told the story before. Um, you know, we don't, we don't live up, live up to to our potential, and 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 we don't follow through with what we what we say we believe. And um, there was one time, uh, lo- a long time ago, I was at my uh, grandparents' house, and I was into the, you know, it's the that bear story. Um, but I, I, I was into the crocodile hunter. Anyone ever heard of Steve Irwin, crocodile hunter? I was loved watching him as a kid, and then he unfortunately passed away on my sister's birthday uh, when she was born. Actually, it was a sad day. But, um, <laughs> but you know, I, I loved watching stuff like that. I loved watching stuff like Animal Planet and, and uh, you know, learning what you need to do in, in those kind of situations. And one of those things was, you know, what to do in the, in the event of a bear attack. And, um, you know, one, they said, you got to play dead. And uh, I, I have trouble with that today. But at that time, um, you know, they said to play dead, don't move, don't do anything. And uh, the bears won't mess with you at all. It's like, what did the bears come up with that story? <laughs> that, that thing today is like, it just doesn't seem right, but I'd be running. But anyway, I was, I was telling my grandma, you know what? Grandma, we, you know, if you ever see a bear, this is what you need to do. And uh, you need to do this, this, and this. And you can't move. If you run, they're going to chase you. They're going to hunt you down. They're going to kill you. 
They could climb trees. They could run like 35 miles an hour. Uh, and I can't run 35 miles an hour. I don't think anyone can, uh, except maybe Usain Bolt. I don't know how fast he was. But um, so uh, one day we were walking, and you got to know if you didn't know my grandma. I don't think anyone did, but uh, she was a, a prankster. She she liked to scare people and, and joke around. And um, we were walking, and they had a uh, a hill in, at the back of their house, and it went down into a little valley, had a wooded area around it. And um, we were walking there, and I was telling her all these things about the bears. And this was in Kentucky, so there, there have been bears spotted there. Um, and all of a sudden, there was some rustling in the bushes, probably just a squirrel or something. She's like, Adam, there's a bear. And I took off running. <laughs> and uh, I left my grandma in the dust. <laughs> but, well, I mean, if a bear were to chase one of us, it would probably be my grandma, because she can't run as fast. But I took off running. And um, I completely forgot where I was going with that story. <laughs> but but we, oh yeah, we have, we have paralyzing pride in our lives. And, and we, we like to say that, you know, we're doing this for the Lord. And we, 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 like, to, we like to talk it up a lot. But as soon as the, the rubber meets the road and, and, and we actually get some kind of pressure, it reveals what you really think and, and how you react. It might not be fully what you believe. Um, but there was some paralyzing pride there. And they, they, but at least they knew, at least the children of Manasseh knew that there was a problem. Amen? At least they knew, you know, this might have been some complaining, there might have been some pride involved, but it would be, it would be something else if they, they didn't care at all what was going on, if they were just contented with the lot that they gave them, even though they weren't possessing all of it. Um, but I, I believe that the greatest danger in the church today is apathy. And apathy says that I don't care. But even worse than that is having apathy about your apathy, which means it was just saying, like, I don't care that I don't care. And if you're like that tonight, if you don't care about your relationship with God and where you are, you ask yourself tonight, am I content? Am I satisfied uh, with where I am with the Lord right now? Or, or is there somewhere farther along I could be with him? And is there some, some places that, some things that need driven out of my life? Um, but, but if you don't care, then you need to get alone with God. And the problem is, is we don't, we get so distracted with technology, we get so distracted with the, the things of this world that we don't spend, we won't even spend 10 minutes alone with God every day. We would have a different country if Christians would actually care about their walks with the Lord. Instead of saying, you know what, I prayed, for, I prayed for my supper, I prayed a little bit before I went to bed, but when's the last time, when is the last time you got down on your knees for ten, just 10 minutes and talked to God and let God talk to you? And then, or at least, you know, read your Bible for 10 minutes. And I'm, I'm not going to get into that you should be doing this and you should be reading this much and you should be praying this much, but there comes, a, there comes a time where you need to grow up a little bit, amen? There comes a time where you need to take what God is doing in your life a little bit more seriously than what you are because Jesus Christ, believe it or not, is coming back one day. Jesus Christ is going to return. We are going to be standing before him at the judgment seat of Christ and giving an account of what we did for him. And we ought to be ready and fully possessing what he's already given us. But sadly, if, if there's a lot of Christians that don't care. They have apathy about it. It doesn't concern them. 
and you say, well, I, I'm just not concerned. I'm just living my own life. Well, you need to get alone with God until you are concerned about it, until you are concerned. But they had that, that paralyzing pride. They, had, they knew that there was a problem. The second thing I want you to notice tonight is there was a stern admonishment in verse number 15. Stern admonishment. It said, And Joshua answered them, If thou be a great people, then get thee up to the wood country, and cut down for thyself there in the land of the Perizzites and of the giants, if Mount Ephraim be too narrow for thee. Joshua admonishes the people. You know what he says? If you want it, go get it. Amen? If you want it, then go get it. Get up. Get thee up, he said in verse 15. But there are some things that they needed to do after they got up. It wasn't just, you know, stand up. There were some, some things that they had to get out of the way first. The first thing he says here is get thee up into wood country and cut thee, uh, cut thee up to the wood country, or get thee up to the wood country and cut down for thyself there in the land of the Perizzites and giants if Mount Ephraim be too narrow for thee. I believe that, you know, they were trying to get the special treatment. Joshua happened to be um, uh, from the tribe of uh, Ephraim. And I, I think that maybe they were um, getting a little, you know, why don't you show a little bit of favoritism to us? Give us a little bit more land. We're just, we're crowded here. And uh, he answers them and says, you know, if you be a great people, and there is definitely some sarcasm in, in what he was saying, if you be a great people, then get thee up to the wood country. He says, if, if you have a problem with where you're at, there's, there's some uncharted territory in the land that I've already given you for your lot. He said, get, get up. There's some trees that are in the way. There's some trees that are in the way. Not only is there they're Canaanites, but there's trees. And um, second, second Samuel chapter 18, if you want to go there, keep your place here in Joshua 17, but Second Samuel 18 I was thinking about that, just to, you know, because trees, I, I don't think it's gonna it's gonna represent sin necessarily, but clutter. Trees are gonna, it's crowded. There's some things that are gonna need cut down, cut away, in order for them to advance into what they already have. And um, if you look at trees, um, I I, I kind of look this up. I like reading articles like this. Uh, this, this is entitled Killer Trees of the Revolution. And um, there's, there's some places in the Bible and there's some places in, in uh, American history and, and just history in general where trees were a, a really bad thing for some people. And um, here in, in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 18, it says um, here in verse, uh, let's see, verse number 8, it says, for the battle was scattered over the face of all the country, and the wood devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. Those people there had more trouble with the trees than they did with actual people that were fighting them. And um, that was because, you know, you, you go into battle, you, 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 know, you have people um, running into trees and tripping over them and, and not being able to properly fight. Um, and then you look a little bit further down in that passage and you see what happens to Absalom. And it was, it was a tree that took him out. Um, he got, his hair got caught, caught in a tree and he, he was hanging there. And uh, sometimes there's, there's some trees 
that get in the way. Um, go back to Joshua 17. There are some things that need to be cleared up. There's a, um, I don't know if you guys remember back, I think it was like 2010 or 11, there was that really bad storm, that wind storm that came across and uh, you know, pretty much ruined everyone's roofs and, and things like that. And uh, I remember we were here at church when it first started and there was a lady that lived in the house that we're in now that came across the street and was complaining because there was a tree that had, uh, it, it was pretty much a dead tree or it had a lot of dead branches and the, the branch fell down on her, hit her in the head and she came in here and she was complaining about it, what, what happened and, and the next day I believe she was dead um, because of the, the injuries that she sustained from that tree falling. And um, yeah, I think of that verse that talks about let us, you know, let us lay aside every weight and the sin. And I think that sometimes, you know, trees, they, they could be used for good, amen? They provide shelter, they provide shade, they, they could help you, but they could also hurt you if you're not careful. The, the things that are in your life that are, that's not a sin, that's not necessarily wrong, but under the right circumstances, they, they, they can be harmful to you. And I think maybe if that, that tree would have been cut down years before, that wouldn't have happened. But, you know, and, and I'm sure that they probably looked at it and, and thought something was wrong with that tree um, and just didn't do anything about it. And you know what? It, nothing's happened so far. Everything's good so far, so we don't have to worry about it. But the, the right wind came at the right time, blew that thing down, hit the lady in the head. And she ended up passing away from that. And you got to be careful about the trees that might need to be cleared up. Dead trees that could fall and hurt you. Um, here in that, that um, little article, The Killer Trees of the Revolution, um, there were a lot of interesting stories about how trees have killed people. And, um, you know, it's not, not great that the people died, but it's just interesting to see how the trees did it. And um, it says here, around 100 people are tragically killed in the United States each year by falling trees or limbs. Death or injury by trees was also among the hazards of war between 1775 and 1783. The first reported soldier to die was British, ironically killed by the Liberty Tree of Boston. Samuel Hawes recorded in his journal that an eyewitness told him that on August 31st, 1775, after a long spell of laughing and grinning, sweating, swearing, and foaming with malice, diabolical, they cut down a tree because it bore the name of liberty. A Tory soldier was killed by its fall. A newspaper uh, account re recounted that a soldier, in attempting to dismantle it of its, one of its branches, fell on the pavement by which he was instantly killed. And, um, you know, that's, th that's just one of the many stories that, that are there, but... Um, it, it might not seem like a lot, and it might not seem like it's, it's that big of a deal, but there, there's some things that you're going to have to remove from your life, some things that you're going to have to cut down if you want to advance further in your walk with Jesus Christ. We say, 
well, I'm just not satisfied with where I am. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I don't have the joy of my salvation. I don't feel like the Lord, every time I go to church, it doesn't feel like the Lord's speaking to me anymore. It, it just doesn't feel right. And maybe the problem is, is you're not, you're just doing the bare minimum of what you should do. But there's so much more that God has for you if you would just listen to him. If you would just obey the Lord. There was a stern admonishment. He said, if you want it, Joshua said, if you want it, then go get it. There were some trees that needed to be cleared up. He said to get into the wood country, cut some trees down, clear, clear the way for some, uh, get some more room for you guys to dwell in. And uh, lastly, there, was a, there needed to be a steadfast commitment. In verse number 16, it says, And the children of Joseph said, This hill is not enough for us. And all the Canaanites that dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron, both they who are of Bethshean and her towns, and they who are in the valley of Jezreel. Might I say tonight that there wasn't only partial obedience or paralyzing pride, there might be some perverted priorities. They wanted, they wanted to get more land, but they weren't taking care of what they already had, what they already possessed. People say that I want, I want to know more Bible, right? I, I want more Bible knowledge. I just, I, I just want to understand more. What are you doing with what you know right now? Amen? What are you doing? Are you obeying what you already know in the Bible before God's going to give you any, any further revelation or any, any further knowledge in that book? You've got to be obeying fully with what you already know. You say, I want... You know, I, I've had people come up to me before and, and you know, be like, I, I want to play, you know, play piano like that. Like, I'll never be able to play piano like that. And every time I hear that, it, it's, it, it almost gets aggravating because it's like you, you, you just got to put in work, right? You just got to put in, you know, it's not, it's not just I sit down and, pl and start playing or, or any one of the other musicians in this room. It, it takes a lot of practice and a lot of time and if you're not willing to do it, then you're not going to become what you want to become. And, you know, it, and that's the thing is when you're practicing, you know, I don't, I don't go down and I don't sit down and start playing a, a Bach piece or, or some kind of piece that's just extremely difficult to play to get better. That's not what you do. What you do is you go and you, you, you practice the fundamentals, you practice the basics, you, you practice, you do exercises with the instrument, you do all sorts of things like, you don't, you don't just go right into some difficult piece, that'll come with time. But we have to be willing to have the patience that it takes to let, to let the Lord work in our lives. And, and we, we need to get back to the fundamentals of our faith, fundamentals of this book, and we need to, if, if we're ever going to do more for the Lord, and we got to realize that there's some places, there's some things in our lives that are hindering us from worshiping God, that are hindering us from uh, fully living for Him. Um, so perverted priorities. There's some people that say, "I want more. I want more power. I want more money." And uh, I work. I work in um, a collections department. And I, I hear people say that all the time. If I just had more money, right? If I just had uh, this or that. And I, I'll tell you this. If, if any of those people that I deal with on a daily basis had a million dollars, 
I don't think that their bills would be paid. Because if they're not faithful with the $100 that they have in their bank account, then how are they going to be faithful with a million dollars, right? You've got to be faithful with what you have. And you say, well, I, I don't have much for the Lord. I don't, I'm not doing much right now. But are you being, are you being 100% faithful with what he's given you right now? Or do you complain all the time about what you don't have and why you don't have it? Or are you actually discontented in the sense of, you know what, I, I'm, not, I'm not happy with where I am. And I'm not talking about the people that say, well, I'm just not where I need to be with the Lord. It's like, well, why not? Amen? Why aren't you? And that's the question that, that I have to ask myself and that you need to ask yourself, is if you're, if you're always saying, well, I'm just not, I'm not where I need to be, well, you know, that, that might, it's good to acknowledge that, but you need to do something about that. You need to do something about it. Steadfast commitment. He said here in verse number 17, Thou art a great people, and thou hast great power. Thou shalt not have one lot only. You know what he's saying? You, you do have great, you are a great people, and you, and you do have great power. You know, they had a bloodline. They, God, they were God's chosen people. They were, it was Israel. And you know what? You have a good bloodline if you're saved. And you're, you are God's child. And he's saying, you know what God is telling you tonight is you are, you are great. And I'm not saying in the, in the sense of just puffing you up and lifting you up, but we are a great people. We, God chose us and God died for us. He shed his blood at Calvary for us. Like they sang the song tonight, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. He really does care. We've got to realize that we are, we are a great people. And with the Lord, we do have great power. We do have strength. But there were the Canaanites, like I said, that they favored and the Canaanites that they feared. So why not drive out the Canaanites first is the question here. Look in verse number 17 or 18. He said, But the mountain shall be thine, for it is a wood, and thou shalt cut it down. Notice he's, he told them to cut the wood down first. Normally... In my mind, I would say, well, why not drive out the Canaanites? And then we'll have a little bit more room there. But the problem is you've got you to clear out the harmless things that clutter your life before you get to those giants, before you get to those, those major things that, that are easy to see and need to be addressed. But it might be hard to do that because of the clutter in your life. And you know what? Cutting down some of those trees will do. Firstly, is it will allow you to see things more clearly. Amen? Amen. Allow you to see things more clearly. It'll, it'll um, see here. Yeah, verse number 18. For thou shalt drive out, the Can uh, drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots, and though they be strong. Yeah, they're going to be, fe it's fearful. There's some things that, that you're going to look at, and you're going to have to tackle in your mind, and in your life, and things that you're going to have to deal with that is gonna, it's going to seem almost impossible, but with God, all things are possible. But you're not going to fix everything in one day. It takes work. Before you get ready to battle, you better clear a spot to fight from. Before you get ready to battle. Because there, there might be an enemy hiding in the tree. There might be things that you can't see because of those trees. 
And uh, we think that we just need to go gung-ho and, and start fighting and start doing all these things. But we've got to remember worship comes before warfare. If you don't learn to worship the Lord, clear some things out, get alone with Him, then it's going to be a really tough warfare. And um, a lot of times we get, we get annoyed at, um, at the Lord sometimes when He's trying to tell us we're doing, you know, you need to change this, you need to do this. And I, I think of a, a smoke alarm there was, when we were in our other house. Um, me, and, me and Jesse had this smoke alarm up there. The batteries started to go out on it. And you know when the batteries start to go out on a smoke alarm, it makes that high-pitched beep sound every you know, 15 or 20 seconds or whatever it is. And at first, it's just, it was just super annoying. Like, what, why is this going on? Like, you know, we need to change this right away. But then, all of a sudden, we, we kind of got used to it. it. It went on for like a month. This thing was just beeping constantly. <laughs> and we got used to it. It, it didn't matter. But the, I, I was thinking about that. The, th- the very thing that is meant and, and that is there to save your life, to save our lives, that thing is now becoming an annoyance to us. And, um, you know, that, that's how we get with the Lord sometimes is that, you know, God's saying, you know, you got to change the batteries. There's something going on in your life. You got to start, you know, there's something that needs to be fixed or something that needs to be changed out. And we get annoyed at that, right? Sometimes we'll get annoyed. And, and then other times we'll completely, we'll get to a point where, you don't even hear the Holy Spirit anymore because you've gotten so used to Him saying, hey, you need to fix this, you need to change this, that you're, you're, you're cold to it and you don't care. You know, it, that's the same thing with, with Brother, uh, um, Brother Rue. You're going to realize this really quickly when you get married. Communication is really important in your marriage. Amen? Communi- men, communication is really important. Amen? All right. Maybe it's not. I don't <laughs> But no, and, and, and men can testify to this. You know, there, there's a time um, when me and my wife first got married that, uh, you know, I'd done something stupid. I don't know what it was to this day. But I asked, I asked you know, something was a little bit wrong uh, in my wife's countenance. And I said, hey, babe, what's, what's the matter? What's wrong? I'm fine. <laughs> cool. <laughs> She's fine. <laughs> when a woman says I'm fine, that... Doesn't mean that she's fine. <laughs> but, you know, and I, I, I realized that right away, that, that uh, you know, she wants you to keep asking, keep asking, keep asking, you know. You know she doesn't want to just give you the answer. But communication is key in a marriage. And just like your relationship with Jesus Christ, communication is key. If you want a successful walk with him, if you want to be able to uh, excel with what you already have, instead of uh, coveting everything else and coveting the things that so-and-so has or that this ministry here, this church here. It's not, about, it's not about those kinds of things or how much lot that one person has versus the other. It's what are you doing? Are you being faithful with what God has given you personally? Amen. Worship before warfare. And uh, the last thing here, and look in, in uh, Joshua chapter 18. And this is just a question that I'm going to ask. And then if you, if you realize first, I, and Pastor, correct me, uh, you could come up here and correct me if, if I'm not right in this, but 
I don't see anywhere where it says the outcome of this passage. It doesn't say what Manasseh and what Ephraim did after Joshua gave them the answer that they needed. And might I say tonight that we're in the same situation. We could either choose to go in, drive out the Canaanites, drive, take, get those things out, cut down the trees, do everything that Joshua's telling us to do, or we won't. Just like what, what happened with Jonah. It doesn't, say what hap- it doesn't say the outcome of Jonah after he got bitter with the Lord about God uh, helping uh, Nineveh. And, Joseph, er, and uh, Jonah got mad about it. It doesn't say what the outcome was. He says here in chapter 18, he's talking to uh, um, the other um, tribes that didn't possess their inheritance. He said in verse number 3, actually verse number 2, And there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not yet received their inheritance. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, How long are you to slack to go possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers hath given you? That's the question that we all should ask ourselves tonight, or God, that God's asking us, is how long are you going to slack? How long are you going to keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off until finally one day, like that smoke alarm, it's just not going to really bother you anymore. It's not going to affect you anymore. But might I, might I just give you that admonishment tonight? And pastor, I'm done. Just think about where you are. If you're not satisfied, if you're not content, if you're not happy with where you are, ask yourself, well, what am I doing with what God's already given me? Am I being faithful? Am I, are there things that I need to clear up in order for me to advance on what I already have? And then just like Caleb, God might give you something else down the road that's even bigger, but you've got to be faithful in what's least. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the day, Lord. I just uh, pray that um, you'd help us to meditate on these words. Father, I pray that it would, uh, would have been a help to someone tonight as it was a help to me. Lord, I just pray that you'd be with the people. Lord, uh, bless us and keep us safe as we go home. In Jesus' name, amen.